Good evening, or uh, good late afternoon, or I don't know. Welcome to Movie Theater Time Machine Podcast, where we keep it real to real. This month's theme is comedy horror, sort of the flip side to our Christmas horror. And this week's picture is 1948's Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. Naturally, you have Bud Abbott, Lou Costello, Lon Chaney Jr., Bella Lugosi, Glenn Strange, um, Randolph, and um, I do not know how to say this her last name. It looks like it might be French. Aubert. Oh, Lenore. Yeah. Um, and this is a universal movie, and you got your Frankenstein monster, Count Dracula, Wolfman... And a little cameo, if you could call it that, of the Invisible Man, but we couldn't really see him, because, you know, invisible. Just as a little stinger joke kind of thing. So, I'm Kaz. I'm Nick. And our friends are having a night off, so uh, we will be handling this alone. And we are outside, if you hear any wishy, windy sounds. Yeah, you might hear a little bit of, like, there's a dog barking a few houses down. I think somebody's barbecuing or... Making burning a campfire or something. Yeah, it's pleasant. Yeah, somewhere it's actually it's actually quite nice. I always wanted to do this outside on a nice day. Yeah. So um, this is the first time I ever saw this movie. Yeah, um, no, I've seen this before. I saw this on Sven Gulli on um, on MeTV a while back, and it's a it's it's definitely one of my favorites. And I mean, Abbott and Costello were always like one of my favorite things. I remember when I was a kid. I kind of got and them confused with Laurel and Hardy because I, I didn't wasn't sure who looked like what. Yeah, yeah, you haven't seen you haven't seen much of them at all, right? Um, there was that movie about the ghosts with the funny little dance they did to teleport. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. But I think yeah. that's about it. That I, as far as what I've seen. I think that was towards the tail end of their career. I mean, because... Were they not getting along or something? Um, yeah. I mean, they kind of... They had a, a relationship of over almost 30 years. I mean, they met in the, like, the 20s vaudeville times. Mm. You know, so they were... You know, they were, they were pretty good. I mean, you know, they did that. But after a while, you know, like anything, you know... People, uh, people's careers in entertainment definitely wane a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no denying what their influence is. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, because of all like you know the wordplay in the in there um, that they have, and it's just you know it's really 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 hard to like to really talk about Abbott and Costello in audio form because <laughs> a lot of it is very like they're very visual. You know, like you have the um, you have the who's on first routine oh, that every, yeah. you know that every, everybody knows the who's on first I routine. I prefer who's on stage. Yeah, slappy squirrel. And you know you have um, at Woodstock. Yeah, you have like several people who are really really big fans. Like uh, you know Jerry Seinfeld was you know was a major 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 fan of Lab and Costello, and a lot of it really just. Um, uh, a lot of it really, you know, influenced his career. I mean, with, you know, his whole, his, a lot of his act is really just wordplay that's based on, you know, Lou Costello. Um, there's, um, there's a, you know, there's a lot of good from them. You know, a lot of good from them itself. I mean, I think, you know, if you want to see, go to, go down the rabbit hole with, with, uh, with Bud Abbott and Lou Costello, and you really try to find some of those beyond who's on first, which actually is a lot funnier. 
Mm-hmm. You know, it's a lot funnier. Like, there's an ep- there's a sketch that they did. Um, they used to do this on the vaudeville days. It was called, it was, I believe they called it, uh, you can look up on YouTube, uh, you know, if you look up Abbott and Costello Curtain or something, and it's just like they're setting up the stage, and, you know, uh, Lou Costello is singing the song uh, while he's like, you know, acting like he's rehearsing, you know. Just kind of getting ready for everything. And he's singing the song, A Pretty Girl. You know, and he's like, a pretty girl, a pretty girl. And then he has, like, they're, they, um, uh, Bud Abbott is giving stage direction for the curtain. So he's saying, you know, higher, high, raise it up, raise it higher. And then Lou Costello's going, hey, pretty girl. You know, lower, lower, hey, pretty girl. And it's, it's really hard to describe an audio form, but well, I guess I kind of just did. Yeah. But, you know, then, you know, once he corrects himself, he's like, no, not you, don't do that. And then he's doing higher, lower, and then Lou Costello is lowering and raising. And um, he's you know, taking it literally. Yeah, and it's it's really funny. Um, you have like you know, you obviously said Laurel and Hardy, um, John Lithgow, who um, he uh, got a large amount of influence from Lou Costello when he played the part of Dick Solomon over over the years in Third Rock from the Sun. And Third Rock from the Sun, really great series. Uh, God indescribable how much that influenced my comedy um but his visuals you know where he would do something where he'd be really happy then realize he was the butt of a joke and then he would just like change his facial expression real quickly um and you know the list goes on and on and on but really it's they were the one that made the staple of um, you know, and even my own comedy heroes, you know, where you have um, from the Carol Burnett show, you know, Har- Harvey Corman, you know, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You know, Harvey Corman and the, uh, I can't remember the other guy's name, damn it, but, um, but all of it, it was the quintessential silly guy and, stra- and then uh, straight man. Oh, yeah, yeah that's this, a classic uh, formula. Yeah, yeah the, they basically put the formula together. I thought it was older than that, though. Yeah. Well, they really perfected it for everybody else. Uh, and mean, just to clarify, yeah. um, Costello's the pudgy one. Yeah. The, the funny man. And uh, Abbott's the, the straight man who's kind of snarky and taller. Yeah. Because yeah. you got to make sure they look different, too. Right. Yeah. And I mean, there you was... get that contrast visually as well as, uh, you know, character-wise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bud Abbott was really the old... I mean, I think Harvey Corman was the ultimate straight man. But um, in general, but Bud Abbott really was the original to really say, "Hey, you know, this is this is how you how you play that role of just the very deadpan." And I, I God, I love it. Hmm. God, I love it. If somebody were to speak in a Ben Stein type monotone, would that make them automatically the straight man, or is it so ridiculous that it automatically puts them into funny territory? It depends on really the eye of the beholder, really. I guess it depends on who the other person is. Yeah. Yeah, and it was, uh, I was thinking, Harvey Corman opposite of Tim Conway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Normal listeners may know who that is, but still, you know, look those up and you'll, you'll love it. I kind of feel like I had higher expectations for this movie. It was okay, but I was kind of tired and I read about um, how, you know, that it was significant and popular and, and stuff like that. So I feel like I was set up expecting a little more than what I got. Oh, really? Yeah, like, let's see, uh, hmm, 
September 2007, Reader's Digest had selected the movie as one of the top funniest films of all time. Um, the American Film Institute rates it as 56 of 100 funniest American movies. That's according to Wikipedia. So I, it was all right. I think it's really funny. It's just, it's, it's 1948. It's comedy of the time. And it's also like what horror, like quote unquote horror really is. I mean, this is the first, and I think one of the last times really the, all the universal monsters are all together. Um, I mean, as characters or tropes, because, I mean... tropes, yeah, they come back. Well, TV Tropes calls it the monster mash um, of the trope of when you get the classic monsters together into a work, so... Yeah, but I mean, for, you know, Lon Chaney, for for Bela Lugosi, I mean, Bela Lugosi, I don't think he, um, he had about another 10 years left. He was starting to get very ill. And, um, but Lon Chaney, um... Was it Junior or... Junior. Yeah, Lon, Lon Chaney Lon, Junior. The, um, Lon Chaney more. died in 1930. Oh, he did? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Lon Chaney Junior also didn't really... Um... Wasn't he the indestructible man? Yes, <laughs> yes. So oh, horrible, God. horrible movie we eviscerated. And yeah. That was fun. <laughs> that was one of our first real eviscerations, too, I think. It was like, so yeah. bad, it's bad. Yeah, kind of movie, like really boring, <laughs> and didn't make sense. Yeah, this also has uh, Glenn Strange in it too. Who um, he was in Gunsmoke. Uh, he was the bartender in that, and you know he's virtually unrecognizable. I mean, to me, if you look at his Wikipedia page, it kind of looks like John Cena. He does. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's a touch of Harry Morgan in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. You're right, yeah. Um, But, yeah, basically, I feel like there's a bit more Dracula than Frankenstein in this movie. It is, yeah. Yeah, it it is. And I tried to look up why it was that way. I couldn't couldn't figure it out. But I suppose if you called it uh, Abbott and Costello Meet the Monsters, it probably wouldn't have come off that, you know, as well. Probably couldn't be billable. Who knows? But, Mm. well, technically... um, Getting a new brain for the monster was the goal. And I just... Yeah. I feel okay, like... Okay, yeah, good point. Yeah. Why... I don't know how much we should go scene by scene. Because nah. I don't know how familiar the, uh, the listeners might be. But um, there's, like, basically this plot of where... Um, let's see, what were their character names? It was Chick and Wilbur. Okay, so Costello's yeah. Wilbur. Yeah. And Abbott is Chick, and they're some kind of package or baggage handler guys. Yeah. And they have to go deliver something to a haunted house museum type place. Yeah. Supposedly the box containing the Frankenstein monster's body and a a coffin containing uh, Count Dracula. And then the two come to life and shenanigans. And then Wilbur's girlfriend turns out to be some kind of mad scientist doctor. And, uh, Working with Dracula to because Dracula really wants to put a a better brain in the monster for reasons. I mean, okay, yeah. If you, I guess, I feel like Dracula is going through too much effort for this henchman thing. Like, in order, to, in order to control, when he ends up controlling the doctor, um, he bites her in the neck, and that's sufficient. I suppose he just wants like a big, strong brute type, but it's like. 
what are you, what's your end game? Are you gonna take over something? Are you gonna build an army of monsters? What is your end game? Well, the, um, the, the monster always, like, terrorized the town, and you're right, he was the big, strong brute, and, you know, he got that, and then you have the, the one who can really control, you know, the control and terrorize the people, and then you have, um, you know, Dracula who can control them, you know, once he gets, once he gets them to look at them. I just feel yeah. like Dracula himself is way, probably way more effective at terrorizing people. He can turn True. into a goddamn bat True. while turning into a cartoon first. Right, but he, a he, he can only you might an animated Batman, you might yeah, say. Yeah, but he can only do he can only do one at a time. Yeah. He can only he can only he can only do that to one person at a time. Turn them into a brawl or whatever. Yeah, he can. Yeah, you know, one person at a time. While they have the monster who can who can scare multiple people at once. Mm-hmm. So I mean, it's still it's a it's a two prime approach. I think it would be interesting if because again, what is Dracula's end game? I mean, okay, he needs a henchman for what? Yeah. Well, you got to think about like what what horror was at the time. You know, it was. There were more stories that I think, you know, movies became more about, um, movies became, you know, over time, you know, like, you, know, you think about it, like, what changed hard of what it is now was the Saw series, right? About you, Jaws. You know, well, what it is now. And, you know, I think Jaws, Jaws played... Count? Yeah, Jaws played a, Jaws played a part in it. Hey, when are we put in that interview? Um, oh yeah, we don't we don't need to mention that yet, but you know, okay. still the um, at the uh, yeah, we'll talk about that later. But the um, yeah, Jaws played a part in it, but you know, Saw really played on the fear of this stuff could really happen, as opposed to you know after after World War Two where it all became a story and it was very much fable like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, in my opinion. I guess that's um, well, you still have those distinctions in different kinds of horror because you have horror that's like a serial killer or nothing supernatural going on but you also have horror that's ghosts and monsters and magic when right. you have horror like aliens and science gone wrong and stuff right yeah okay we went inside um i forgot to mention wolfman's role in this he's on the good guy side but he has the unfortunate affliction to uh turn into a hairy feral dude <laughs> during the full moon except this happens multiple times causing me to question what exactly constitutes as a full moon right yeah because i'm thinking yeah. there must be only one night where it's the most fullest full it can possibly right. be but i guess for this to happen multiple times it must there must be some leeway there and then i wonder what if the moon's just a little sliver dark does that mean he just gets a little hairy yeah, I th- and cranky? I think what happens is the um the the Wolfman lore is when the you know the moon is at its brightest when the alignment with the sun and the and the uh the sun and the earth is bounces off the moon as much as possible mm-hmm. and that supposedly is like the the catalyst for change you know so I I think, think that would just be one night a month I, I, me too. Yeah, me too. I really, I'm like, what is this? And I don't know, I, I couldn't put it all together myself either, because I think it's just leeway on the fact that it's, you know, you have um, 
Bud and Lou in who are in the real world. And, you know, this is an oddity thing that these monsters are all treated as if they're in the real world. They're pretty you know? shocked because, um, yeah. remember, Chick is all like, um, there's no such thing as Dracula. Right, right, right. Right, there's no such thing as Dracula, and there's no such thing as other stuff, yeah. Hey, did Epic Rap Battles of History on YouTube, did they ever do Dracula versus Vlad the Impaler? I think so. I, I know they did Vlad the Impaler, yeah, but I, 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 I think Dracula was in there once. I, yeah. Because that would be amazing. Yeah. I think that's when they did all the Russian, like, big super names or something, or... I yeah, I yeah, but regards like it's important to mention like you know Abbott and Costello like whatever variation of characters they did they always had like people sometimes compare them to the Three Stooges because the Three Stooges always had those people who had commoner jobs because you know they were plumbers they were carpenters they were you know day laborers and stuff like but that I was and basically yeah you know but it was always something like that and. You know, Abbott and Costello were never really, like, you know, the big wig people, you know, or, you know, like, business owners or captains of industry. They were always, like, the general day-to-day -day people. Probably came from their vaudeville days or something like that. And, you know, it's whatever, yeah, copy-paste, whatever you want. So I think the audience could look at them and go, oh, yeah, this is me. You know, that could be me, too. Maybe it's just, you know, yeah. whatever situation. Yeah, yeah, right. It, yeah, I think that's what it is, is they say, hey, it could be me. I mean, to see this and to see, like, the, the, the fable stories and, you know, have them really be cartoons. And, I mean, they were, starting, uh, they were starting to fade in uh, popularity at this point, slightly. Yeah. It was a change in comedy, really. Talbot the Wolfman, um, mm. I guess he's been tracking Dracula across Europe for yeah. reasons? Yeah. Why? Um, did he have anything to do with his wolf curse? No, not no. I don't think they ever really did. It just you know, <laughs> it's, it's yeah. stuff like that that yeah. kind of makes me like mm. it could have been a little better. Mm. And the ending, yeah, that was well, yeah. I mean, you don't like endings like that. Not really. No, no, no. no it's. No, we've had several episodes where you've uh, you made your rants about it, made your opinions known. Abrupt endings are not your favorites. No. At all. <laughs> and I can't blame you, really. Unless it's appropriate somehow. Mm. Mm. But, um... Yeah. Yeah, they, there's something about a masquerade. Mm -hmm. And, um, Sandra, that, that's Wilbur's girlfriend, um, guess... So this whole time she was she was just faking it to get Wilbur so she could steal his brain, I guess. Which really made me wonder, like, what was the um? How did how did she, you didn't ever really get into how she chose him? No, you know, because he he's no, not he did. no. Like, neither of them have ever really been the smartest man in the room. That's the point. Yeah. they didn't want a smart brain. They wanted something easy to control. Oh, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right, yeah. You follow orders. Yeah, right. And I think she said, I have the just the, the perfect one. For yeah. The, um, they do eventually. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And then there's, like, this insurance guy. Uh, well, the, the wax museum owner. Yeah. Because he he's in, has those boxes insured for $20,000, mm. and mm. he totally wants those damn bodies. Yeah, well, I mean, it's... They ran off, so... But he, he thinks... I think he thinks there's shenanigans going on that uh, uh, Wilbur and Chick are responsible. 
Well, it was to raise the stakes in general. Um, at, um, from a writing perspective or an in-universe perspective? Writing. Ah. I think, you know, just to say, okay, there's something there. They had, it was $220,000, I believe. Yeah, uh, yeah. insurance policy, but I yeah. can't remember why he couldn't collect. He couldn't collect because the bodies weren't there. Ah. Yeah. Because <laughs> they, they, they were living. So to speak. Mm. Um, mm. Then there's like a masquerade party, and he, and he sends off the beautiful insurance agent to... Yeah. Whose plan is to, to seduce Wilbur. So now he's yeah. all like, oh my god, I got two pretty ladies. <laughs> and so he, then he gets some funny sitcom crap uh, with... Um, Chick is just pretty desperate. Because he's all like, why can't you share them with me? Yeah. Something about shoes? Yeah, there, there's... Yeah, there, yeah that's, that's... You a, had two cigarettes? Yeah. Would, would you share one with me? If you had two cigarettes, I'd share one with you. I got two girls. Yeah. You pairs got two, of shoes. Yeah. Why don't you go ahead and put the two pairs of shoes, let yourself a cigarette, go find yourself someone else. Uh, and it, it... I mean, that's where it's really hard to describe Abbott and Costello without actually seeing them. Yeah, is the they have the curtain one. I mean, yes, the who's on first. I mean, I th I think who's on first is really is really super overplayed. Mm -hmm. You know, there's the sketch thirteen times seven is twenty eight, and it's a that again. That's that's a very visual one, but that's the ones that will really piss off everybody. because oh. you look at it and they're kind of right. It's like fuck off! Don't make me do math right now. Yeah, like it. No, but the way they. The way that they present it, it's just like, yeah, it, it kind of makes sense, even though it's statistically impossible. Yeah, there's like a masquerade party. And, did they end up at the kill first? Yeah. Uh, yeah, because Sandra <laughs> just wants um, Wilbur alone, presumably to steal his brain, because uh, she's helping out. She's the surgeon uh, working with Dracula, who's assumed a fake name that sounds spanish and that seems like an odd choice yeah it was a uh, laos but like you know there's one of those j's it sounds like an h thing yeah there, yeah they, according to the subtitles yeah and looking into that that name was decided because laos is spanish and one of the meanings of it is far away mm -hmm. so it's doctor from afar yeah but Ooh. i mean he's goddamn dracula he don't sound like Spanish or Mexican at all. No, it's Bella Lugosi. It's, Which makes it sound like a fake name. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of like Sean Connery. You know, or it's like, you know, Sean Connery's like, I'm Russian today. <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> Sean Connery, you're Russian. Yes. <laughs> Sean Connery, you're Italian. Yes. <laughs> Sean Connery, you're from Brooklyn. Okay. Like, it's, like, you know, they're like, you just kind of go with it, you know, and... Bela Lugosi at this time was like, he started to have a lot of health problems, you know, and it was just, you kind of did what he did. I think Bela Lugosi also has like a really interesting way that he, you know, he's Romanian, you know, and it was the way that he learned, like he learned English by phonetically reading scripts. How is it possible, you know, how unphonetic English? Yeah, well, people would read it with him and then that's how he learned English. So it's you like start in silence. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So like roll my knee, and then he was he learned it that way, and he was um he was never like he was he was well to do, and then he wasn't, you know, which is why he took he was basically acting when 
people said he should have retired or lived on it. He really had no money. Shit. He really had absolutely no money. I'm like, I'm going to show, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post this on our social media, but just going to show, like, what Bella Lugosi really looks like after outside the makeup. I don't want to show Kaz here, but it's like he he was not well through most of his life. He was not well at all. Well, he still looks more healthy in that real photo than, you know, super pale vampire. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's... I just thought that was an interesting contrast. It's like everybody else has their lips are a normal color, but then his look much darker, which brings out the contrast in the paleness of his face. And it's like, huh, that's a neat effect. I, I guess for black and white. Yeah, I, I think that might have been because it's uh, you know we're watching it on an HD 4K TV. I think it's because he's a vampire. So well, also I mean on, on real to real film we might not have seen this. Probably would have just simple contrast. Yeah. Okay. Nobody else had like lipstick like that. Yeah. Oh, I gotta say, <laughs> the thing that kept making me laugh unintentionally was. Whenever he would, like, put the cloak in front of his face, and, and <laughs> yeah. early on, it's like, instead of just turning into a goddamn bat, because we learned that through the exposition dump of Wilbur reading the sign for the display that lists all his powers and shit, um, he, instead of doing the logical thing and turning into a bat, he, like, just kind of slinks into the background as if he thinks his cloak is gonna be camouflage, and... <laughs> All I could think of was that guy from Grandma's Boy, the obnoxious programming <laughs> programmer who tried hiding against... Well, he was hiding against a white wall, I think. I hate your face. <laughs> I am the programmer. <laughs> I hate your face. <laughs> what the fuck was that? So, um, yeah, that, that made me laugh for reasons... Unrelated to yeah. the film. <laughs> I mean, that movie, hands down, is one of the funniest Adam Sandler productions of all time. Not to be confused with Grandma's Boy, the silent film. Yeah, it's... Totally different thing. <laughs> what, I, I, what I like about this, I mean, obviously, like, Evan Costello, the wordplay in this is really funny. And it's a very quick-witted film. I mean, it really is. It need, it, this needs to be seen. And also, like, you know, where, like, they're in the castle and, you know, Lon Chaney's on the phone talking with him. And he's like, oh, I believe you're in Dracula's castle. And then, you know, uh, Wilbur is, like, running off already. You know, like, what's happening? We're going to do this. No, no, no. Yeah. We're, the, we're in Dracula's castle. This isn't right. And, you know, then it's later on. And, um, you know, Chick is picking up the phone. And then it's like, hello, hello. He's gone. So am I. And then he just runs off. What, what I want to know is how come he ain't concerned about the whereabouts of Sandra or um, what's-her-face, the other one? Um, yeah, Joan. Joan. Yeah. It, I, I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, guess he's that much of a coward. Yeah, he always... He, that, that just really was the type, you know, where he was just very, like, this flabby, you know, short guy who just, like, didn't really want to get in anyone's way. He also had a shitload of health problems, and so I think that played in his character, Lucas Solo in general. Uh, you know, the cool thing is, um, it, it just bringing back an old memory because I looked at that. Though the actress who played Joan was Jean Rudolph, and uh, she was one of the stars of a very early movie we reviewed, Cat People. Ah. 
and uh, she wasn't the lead. Who Simon uh, Simone Simon was uh, was there? She played one of her best friends who took who really chewed the scenery in that. Yeah. It, yeah, but it's still it's a it's you know it's good. I mean, I think yeah, you know, a lot of this. I mean, you're right. It kind of gave me vibes somewhat of Spider Man Three. You know, where I think, like, they include, they got the classic Universal Monsters in there. You've got a lot of people, and it's only 84 minutes. For some reason, it felt longer to me, but that might have been because I was tired. Right. I mean, you know, where Spider-Man 3, you have, you know, Hobgoblin, uh, Venom, and the Sandman. So many. And, you know, like, they're trying to throw so many people all in once, and I, I... I don't. I don't know. I mean, I think like this movie itself. I mean, I don't think with the without the invention of TV, this would have never been known by far. These were movies like the the Universal Monsters came about because you know and really stayed in popularity because they were starting to wane out after World War Two because you had other uh, you know it didn't really horror kind of kind of collapse for a little while. Until about the mid '50s, where you know, after after the Korean War, before Vietnam came about, you know, you had these stories come back because TV came in, and you know, held most areas there were only three or maybe four channels, and in order to like late late night TV, in order to fill in when they didn't really have anything, they would just throw a random movie on that they found, and I mean, this was one that came about. At that time, I mean, you had the uh, the Abbott, you had an Abbott and Costello cartoon hour too, <laughs> that you know during the time when they were trying to throw everything for the, like twenty years, they're like, okay, popular show, let's make a cartoon out of it. When was that? When was that? Um, in the fifties, where they did that, they also tried to do it to uh, the Three Stooges, which really fucking failed. What about the one when they were robots in the future, <laughs> or something like that? But uh, Abbott and Costello? No, the Stooges. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they just, uh, I don't know, they they really, I mean, that's a different trope, and, trope entirely. But, I mean, you know, Abbott and Costello, I think, were less known with the Stooges. In some ways, like, you can see, like, Curly Howard and, and uh, Lou Costello had very similar personalities. Costello made fewer sounds, but when they did make some weird little yelp sounds, yeah. it sounded like Curly. Yeah, like you're just doing the, uh, like the scene where you know the uh, where he's reading, like he's in the House of Horrors reading the Dracula lore, and you know he's like, "Oh, Dracula comes out, and then the casket comes up yeah. earlier." And that's why it's like it's very funny visual. I mean, you know, listeners, check this out because this is really funny with. Lou Costello's just like, you know, where he stops and just looks. And then he, like, he realizes, like, Ah, Jack! There's a hand right there! There's a hand! Like, what do you mean there's a hand? Like, okay, there's a hand right there. There's a hand. No, there's no hand. Like, it, I can't I can't duplicate it, but goddamn, it was funny. Uh, I thought the, the, I don't know, it was all right, I guess. Yeah, it, no, no, not your, not your taste. It, it was, I don't know, I, I, it's easy to, kind of be like you idiot look behind you you know yeah 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 you think this would have been done and uh um you think this would have been done nowadays well the, the classic jokes you know about yeah the one character not seeing the other i think what was better was uh when he the scene in the hotel room when he visits talbot and talbot's all like don't lock me in the room don't 
come in and that kind yeah. of thing. But then he does end up going in and he and the guy had already turned into the wolf, but he's just everybody's coordinated in such oh, a way yeah. that Wilbur doesn't see the wolf man and then he grabs a piece <laughs> yeah. of fruit that I assume is an orange from the table and then he's walked back to his hotel this hotel room and shuts the door on the wolf just in time but then he's like oh what if he counted the fruit and did he count these yeah and then he looks like and then he starts to go back and it's like no don't do that and then he's like "Eh, i'll just go back well maybe you know the hemming and hawing and you don't know if he's gonna do the dumb thing and go back and return the fruit or you know go back to his room and not get eaten by a wolf monster um that was that was a good back and forth, I think. Yeah, there's... I can't explain why. I think it's really the unexpected. And, I mean, it's very, mm. like... very. It's very Python-esque. I guess with in the a way. hand yeah. Yeah. in the coffin, that that went more expected. Like, you know Dracula's going to hang out in the background and nobody's going to see him. Yeah. Even though they fucking probably should have, because I bet his pale-ass face would have practically glowed in the dark because <laughs> he, he was only just covering the bottom half with his cloak like he was trying to socially distance yeah yeah i yeah vampire yeah. style yeah i i don't know i i hate your face <laughs> i don't know i i liked it i mean I, it just reminded me of watching this stuff with my dad you know, when I was when I was a kid, and I'm like, okay, that's really super interesting. I don't know if he liked it as much as the Stooges uh, either. I mean, I think that's why they're a little bit. Uh, Abbott and Costello's a little more lost to time. But you know, I Harvey Corman and Tim Conway, I absolutely love, love, love watching those two from Carol Burnett. So I mean, you, you can you can see similarities in where they were the. The chemistry of Evan Costello inspired them. And, you know, that I think is really interesting. But I think um, for this, I mean, this particular movie, I mean, you know, you got to think of what what horror was at that time. I mean, it was, you know, as we said before, it was for the, uh, you know, for like, okay, these are scary stories, but it wouldn't necessarily happen. You know, like it happened in the real world because, you know, you're not there, there is no such thing as Dracula. There's no such thing as the Wolfman. We know that. But the Impaler? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, we know what they were inspired from, but you're not going to come across a vampire. I feel like and, Vlad the Impaler is probably worse considering right. he'll put a spike right. on your butt. Yeah, but you're not, you're not going to. You're, you're not going to come across an actual vampire, but as opposed to like, if you think about horror, like of like something like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, you know, where it's like they portrayed that that you probably could come across that. What? Wait. You possibly, you possibly could come across you somebody. Just said there's no such thing as vampires. Right, but it's just there. The but back in '48, it's like okay, we know you're not going to come across it, but in the '90s, it's like eh, maybe you can, you know. Or it's just, it's a little, it's, you know, they portray them as more real than more, fa- and less than, less as fantasy. Oh, well, that's, yeah. that's stupid. You know, so I think, like, what the horror would, you know, go to see movies like this would have been, you know, okay, you take the family, oh, these are, or you, you know, take a date with you or something. Or, um, I mean, I remember my grandfather, uh, Bill, talking about he would take a girl to the movies and, or he would, uh, or, you know, I think this was before he, um, 
or might have been after he met my grandmother, but um, he uh, would take a girl to the movies. Like, oh, I'm hoping, you know, she'd get a little scared and we'd hug for a little while or something. An innocent time. But, um, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I think, you know, this is worth checking out. It's, it's, a, it's a funny horror, but I think the... Uh, I mean, why Vincent Price didn't get credited is unfortunate. You could tell it was his voice. Oh, yeah, it's unmistakable. Even though you can't see him. That's me, the invisible okay, man. Okay, skipped over the entire ending, so... Oh, all right, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, for one, I think Sandra was pretty brave for trying to be like, I'm not listening to you, Dracula. Yeah. But, he, you know, he's got that goddamn hypno-powers. Right. And then I was thinking... What if she was Medusa, and he was all like, look into my eyes, and yeah. who would win? My money's on Medusa. Medusa would win. Well, if you look at Medusa, they, they've done that over time, even when Doctor Who, mm-hmm. where they had a Medusa-like character, and the thing is, if you look directly into Medusa's eyes, you turn to stone. Look into my eyes, okay, done. But what if they're undead, like Dracula? I don't think that mattered. I don't think that mattered, really. Even That's if there, interesting. Yeah, it's nice to see if there was a... Um, but, I mean, even though Sandra was, you know, the bad guy, she was kind of a badass. Yeah, and... Um, she knew he had supernatural powers, and she's all like... I forgot why she didn't want to do the experiment anymore. Um, I think because, oh, because the other people were getting too suspicious. And, and she didn't she didn't want them finding out what she was up to. And I don't know if that had something to do with the... Frankenstein's notebook or something. But um but but Dracula is all like, Yeah, we gotta do this now so he bites her and then that turns her into a thrall and then she tries to bite Wilbur and Wilbur's all like, Okay, you're creepy and weird, I don't like you anymore. Uh, I think they get they get interrupted or something. Cause there's like this masquerade ball going on and uh I feel like she should have lured him to a more secluded area. But um uh, anyway he does get captured. Uh, Wilbur gets captured and chained up because, and then he finds out that she's gonna like cut his head open and take his brain and put it in the monster. Um, what the hell are they gonna do with the monster's brain? Just dump it in the trash, I guess. Pretty well. I mean, he was <laughs> he was dying anyway. I guess he needed more electricity. Yeah. But I guess his brain kind of sucked to begin with. They didn't like it. Yeah. It didn't seem so bad to me, I guess. But maybe they needed. I don't know. Dracula, why don't you just find, like, some kind of muscle man, like Hulk Hogan, and bite him, and then control him that way? So, um, just to back up on something, I just found something on um, on Reddit, on the DMD uh, thread. Uh, can Medusa turn, um, what can Medusa turn into stone? So, Medusa collect them, you know, loves her statues, collects them all, even as minions to fetch victims, blah, blah, blah. So her powered is petrification, which is literally turning flesh into stone. <laughs> That's what he said. So, <laughs> so um, you know, the work the creature must have flesh, and quite logically has to have eyes. So it's it would include anyone blind. Yes, the list is huge. Uh, animals, dragons, the fae, plants, and outs. So yeah, I, I guess you know she could turn her turn Dracula and stuff. What yeah. about a basilisk? What's a basilisk? It's like that reptile chicken thing that kills you with a glance. Oh, like I, now I'm picturing some kind of western shootout, except one end is a basilisk. Yeah. The other end, 
Medusa. Yeah. And they, they they have their backs turned and they do ten paces and whoever turns around the fastest wins. Yeah. That would be awesome. I don't know where it would go story wise though, or where it would come from. Um, I think you know what the um, I think you know with the the only thing that the only thing I think that could, could bat Medusa really is a mirror. And I think they did that in, um, there was a David Tennant Doctor Who episode where they did that. And I think he finally, like, he, it was a carnival or something. And he, like, lured her into the room with the Hall of Mirrors. Mm-hmm. And he's like, okay, that's that then. Like, you know, I think the quirk was, he's like, can you come up with something a little more challenging than Medusa? Like, what if she closes one eye? Would you just turn half into stone? I think you still would turn into stone. Oh, come on. That's not creative. Yeah. What about different kind? What kind of stone? What if she could turn you into a diamond? Mm. I could see then she could have some kind of sinister jewelry empire. Yeah. But at the same time, maybe she would turn criminals into diamonds. That way, you don't have any of that blood diamond morality problem thing. You ain't sending, like, I don't know, kids or whatever into mines. So, on the one hand, it's safer. But on the other hand, she's kind of doing some Death Note kind of... I'm in control of morality shit. Mm. <laughs> That's interesting. But we watched a movie mm. um, that had nothing to do with Medusa. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Dracula turned her. So she's, she just kind of spends the rest of the movie being uh, his zombie. And she's totally going to cut open Wilbur's head without anesthesia. She's like, you won't feel a thing. And then she gets thrown out a window because... The Frankenstein monster, I'm like, he's totally, he can just break out of the restraints. He does! Surprise, surprise. Um, and he, he, like, picks her up and chucks her out a window, and that's the last we ever see of her. Right. Like, fuck. Okay. And then, then he's, like, gonna go over to, um, uh, Wilbur, and I'm like, maybe he likes Wilbur? Wilbur was kind of... Calling out to Sandra and then calling out to the monster and calling him Junior and Frankie. He seemed to be calling out to the monster more than Sandra uh, to, for help to release him from the restraints. But I don't know because he... I don't, how did he get out? Did Oh, was Who? it Talbot? Did, somebody came along and helped him. And, or I think Chick helped him and then they were running around being chased monster. Right. I do think one of the funniest scenes was with the... With the um... They made an effort, and I think one of the uh, the writers really wanted to have to explore the trope of the castle with the turning wall. Yeah, that I was mean a thing. that was fucking hilarious. Mm-hmm. Oh my god, where it's like they're walking and um, you know, like it's 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 classic uh, Abbott and Costello routine where something happens just out of view of the other, and one's trying to explain it, and the um, you know where. Oh, there's the guy here, the like, oh, oh, and the other one, like, oh, and then the, um... Oh, yeah, his yeah. impressions of... Yeah, of both of them, and the, uh, monster. Yeah, and they're just missing each other as the wall keeps turning, and I did read something that Bella Lugosi thought that was the funniest scene, like, they had to re-record that because he kept laughing. Oh, no! You know, how he kept laughing in general, because they did that, and they just, just missed it, and it's like the, and apparently, um... Lon Chaney was a, uh, also was a really big fan of Abbott and Costello awesome. in, in general. So it's like doing this. He's like, okay, yeah, I'll do it. I'll do it. And, you know, even though their careers were kind of waning at that point, you know, he also just wanted to see, you know, wanted to have something or some sort of fun. Mm. 
and uh, you know, who you know, little did they know, ten years later, everything would be resurrected again. I feel bad for the because poor Wolfman. Oh, and I'm like, oh, I think he rescued him because I'm thinking, oh no, he's looking up at the window, and yeah. I'm like, full moon, he's totally gonna, it's gonna be a full moon, he's gonna change because this is the worst possible time for this to happen, yeah. and it does. Um, there's this chase, and um, I don't remember how. I, Dracula ends up turning into a bat, and then Wolfman grabs him, and then they and falls out a window, and they go splash, and that's the last we ever see of him. Mm. Like, well, that was anticlimactic. And then um, Chick and Wilbur are gonna get away on a boat, and there's this other assistant doctory type guy. Uh, oh, they're being chased by the monster, and then that guy is all like pours gasoline on the dock wooden dock thing pier thing mm. and um sets it on fire and i'm thinking yeah they missed the they messed this up real bad i'm thinking oh, and, and then the monster turns around and heads into the fucking fire i'm like yeah dude fire bad yeah i i guess it's glad i guess it's good for you for overcoming your fire phobia now you're dead yeah what they, happens they, to that guy nothing we don't nothing know nothing more beyond that yeah it's just Oh, yeah, now the Invisible Man's in their boat. You know, just ended on a gag in the end. Yeah. I don't think it was a very great ending. Yeah, well, I mean, there there must have been, like, a double feature. And also, this is where um, that era, era of time, you know, you had a cartoon, a newsreel, maybe another cartoon, and, um, you know, a small part, a small... Um, uh, you know, maybe short, and then you had the movie, you know? So I think at that point, like, people were kind of done at the end of it, and you're like, all right, and you spend, you know, three hours or four hours at a movie theater, and you're like, Jesus Christ, like, I thought it was, you know. So double, were double thing back then? Double features were, yeah. Okay. Yeah, double features, I mean, you know, they faded over time, you know, I think in the 60s, they kind of started to fade out. About grind. Yeah, well, yeah, it was... That was, you know, that was a 70s thing, but that was, even then, that was kind of rare. Ah. You know, but it was just just the movies and such, and still, I think that kind of faded from there because it was a different time. Um, but it was a, it was different. I mean, I, I think I like this movie. Um, I like this. I've always loved Evan Costello, and I think, you know, if they if he didn't have TV 10, you know, pick up 10 years later i don't think we wouldn't even be talking about them but i mean their their routines are worth exploring i mean it really is they're great <laughs> they're they're great i think um when um universal tried to do that monsterverse thing and failed miserably at it um mm. you know trying to copy marvel's thing mm. i feel like <laughs> wouldn't it be hilarious if they also stuck an abbott and costello type in the movie? Yeah. Went with that because there's so many of those damn movies. It's like you already did this. There's your cinematic universe in the forties. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Oh god, can you picture a gritty Abbott and Costello monster fighting bullshit? <laughs> no, I can't. Mm. I, I bet Peel could pull it off. Oh my god. Because, yeah, yeah. Well, that does horror sometimes, and yeah. they do comedy, and so, and, yeah. and they're a duo, yeah. so, uh, yeah. picture Yeah, that. Jordan, 
Jordan Peele does a fantastic, fantastic art. Yeah. Frankenstein. Yeah, they. they <laughs> yeah. Oh, I read on the wiki. Apparently, it was. Um, I think Korean fantasy casting now. Then maybe. Yeah. I know we need an ad break somewhere. Yeah. Though. All right. Um, but the movie had a, originally had like a different working title or something, but they thought it sounded too much like straight horror. Yeah, I did see it that. Was like, it was like uh, Frankenstein's brain or about. That's it. The Anton and Carolyn directed by Charles Barton. The The Brain of Frankenstein. The Brain of Frankenstein, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, um, that does not exactly scream comedy. Yeah. Right? They did do uh, other films with this where they did um the uh, the uh, Abbott and Costello meet the Invisible Man. Um uh, the was di- it, um was it Vincent Price? No, I'm not sure. No, I'm not sure. Problem, it's um the um they also did the creature from the black lagoon, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, and they did the mummy. The mummy, I think, was the best one of all. Um, uh, but it is this is the fur the film is considered the swan song of the big three. Uh, none of who appeared in Universal Films since House of Dracula in 1945. Um, uh, but it it is still. They're still good. I mean, Glenn Strange is a really good Frankenstein monster. I mean, Lon Chaney Jr. is in it, and I mean, he's the only actor to ever play all of the uh, of the Universal monsters at some point. Um, but at least he played the he played the classic four. Um, even even if somebody broke their leg, and he's like, "Fine, I'll get in the freaking suit." And um, rare that he's Dracula, but others are different. I think um, it's. I mean, it's good. I mean, it, it is worth checking out. I mean, for for the film itself, I mean, if, if you're a fan of Abin Costello, watch this. If you're a completionist. Um, all right, so why don't we tell you a little bit about 4041 Media, and we'll kind of get in a little bit about fantasy casting while we're here. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Movie Theater Time Machine is a part of the 4041 Media Group with podcasts like Psych Your Crime and Free Your Geek, which you can check out at 4041media.com. That's all squished together in one word, and the numbers are written as numbers. Now it's time to tell us what you think. If you got an opinion or wanted to know what's coming up next, find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for Movie Theater Time Machine. Now our podcast will always be free. Free? To subscribe and share. But if you'd like to help us build a bigger, better podcast, not to mention our confidence, you can find merchandise designed by me, Kaz, at Zazzle. Or check out the Kaz Foxen's Animal Shop at Zazzle for cute animal gifts and pet supplies. Thanks so much, and back to the show. And we're back. How long was that? (laughs) Oh, well, so, I mean, I think... I just I'm thinking of what you said with Key and Peel. Oh my god. In this would they be playing Abbott and Costello? Yeah. So would it still be called Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, but it would be weird and gritty and gory, but also have comedy. Yeah. And would they be fighting monsters or I don't No, know. I think if you have Abbott if you have Key and Peel meet Frankenstein. I think the <laughs> the whole scene when they're in the House of Horrors, I think, would have been hysterical. Mm-hmm. It all depends on you know if you have um the the and you know Key and Peel also have this like their sketch comedy is you know where they present a situation and usually there's a twist at the end. You know, we're, yeah, we're the, well with them in particular. Like there's this twist where it's revealed in the real night. world. 
Mylon? Yeah, like where it's revealed something else is there, you know, like the, um, I can't remember a lot of them, but like the, uh, there's a really funny, uh, you know, a real funny, uh, did, you know where they uh, they did one thing with like the uh, it was like they did a few sketches like the gangsters who just couldn't get it right mm-hmm. like you know they're they're tra- they're in an alleyway in a car and they roll up to a couple people and they're like oh man sorry we got to go back to my house why we're about to off these guys I just shit my pants <laughs> like what you what what the what, what the hell why did you just shit your pants like. Mm-hmm. I just crap my pants, man. I'm sorry. Like, and uh, <laughs> Jordan is just real deadpan. Like, you know, he's like, oh, I just crap my pants, man. Did it in the most ball away, just straight up deuce. And, <laughs> and you know, then you find out, like, you know, at the very end, it's like the guys have just been sitting there, like, who they're about, who they're going to kill, mm-hmm. have been standing there just off screen, just looking at them, like, what, what, like, really? <laughs> like, like, I thought you were going to kill us. They're like, you know, they, they pull they pull the gun on them. They're like, oh, my God. They're like, dude, go home and change your pants. We can smell you out here. Yeah. You know, so I think the whole, like, you know, with uh, Keegan, Keegan-Michael Key reading the, um, I think he would be in the uh, the the Luca Stella role. I think reading it, like, you know, man, Dracula, you know what he has? He has, he has a thing where he can go ahead and he's been alive all this time. And then they do that, and then, you know, Jordan would be over there in the chick role going, you know, what the hell happened out that way? Mm. Yeah, that guy with the head, the hand moved, the hand, I saw the hand move. The only thing is, I don't think either of us have seen any of any of their horror, so yeah. that aspect we can't really speak on, how horror would be integrated in this uh, hypothetical remake thingy, but... Um, mm. <laughs> yeah, well, Jordan Peele's, I haven't seen a lot of it, but Jordan Peele's horror is, a, like, is the total opposite of the sketch comedy. Like, he's very, very, it's very psychological. So yeah. in that case, yeah. Dracula's big giant plan that we never, I don't... Never figure out. Yeah. Unless I missed something, but yeah. I feel like Dracula doesn't need a goddamn henchman, like, the monster. Dracula could sow psychological discord in a community just mm. by turning into a goddamn bat and biting people. Because they said he was a vampire bat. Right. So, you know what bats carry? Rabies. Yeah. So, he's undead. So, I don't think rabies would kill him. Although, I wonder if it make him extra thirsty. But if yeah. it does that, then he's just going to suck more blood and be yeah. more scary. Yeah. And be more immortal. I don't know. But, um... Imagine he's a scary bat who flies around and bites people and makes them think that other people are out to get them, and it turns into like that Twilight Zone with the the aliens that the the town that went all paranoid until somebody shot somebody because yeah. they thought it was aliens. Monsters on Maple yes. Street. Yeah, that yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. Actually, it's funny enough because Jordan Peele actually redid the Twilight Zone for a while. Oh well, yeah. Yeah, that was that was good. That was damn good. I only saw the first episode. Yeah. Was the rest? Yeah, I've I've saw a couple of more, and it's like it was very. I I thought it was like the, the stupid one the one they did in the eighties. That was kind of like, oh, let's just be cool, Twilight Zone. I'm like, yeah, that didn't work. But this Isn't one, in the nineties one, the, no. Um, but the, uh, the, the, his, I thought was the closest to Serling and I thought was a good successor. I feel like uh, the, that first episode, um, that was pretty effective, like making you guess what, yeah what's going to happen. I, I 
if I remember correctly, because it was some years ago, I think mm. I found it genuine, genuinely kind of um, gripping. Yeah. And yeah. The, I, the original Twilight Zone just can't do that for me, probably because... Because we've seen it so much. And pop cultural osmosis. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the first episode was the comedian that once they once he said names, they disappeared. Yeah, that, that, yeah, that was that was a good one. I think the um, I think for another choice, yeah. uh, they got to go more on the comedy side more than horror. The uh, only other duo I'm familiar with is Keenan and Kel. but that would make him into like some kind of Nickelodeon kids movie. Yeah, no, but, <laughs> nah, 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 I. I I gotta, I gotta go. I, I still would love to see a team up with um, Key and Peele versus Keenan. Oh yeah. I'm sure it'll never happen, yeah. but ah, oh, come on, man. Yeah. yeah. Like the adult version of Keenan yeah. and Kel. No way. No way. You're me from the future. <laughs> nice. What? <laughs> no. Like, <laughs> mm. I, I. Okay. I gotta. I gotta just say, if we go really zany on this. God, you had to have uh, not the actors, but the characters, Frank Reynolds and Charlie Day. Oh, um. Come on. It's been a while since I saw It's Always Sunny. Oh, it's, it's... <laughs> Come on, Frank, how do you have those two broads over after you? What can I say? I'm sexy. Oh my God, that did happen. Yeah. The exchange students and... Exactly. Oh, something about toes. Yeah. Oh, but then the the then they died. And, yeah. But they thought the exchange people were gonna be sexy ladies, but then they were like weird guys. Yeah. That wanted yeah. to clean their toenails or some shit. Exactly. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. So what do you think you have these two? What can I say? I'm wonderful. How do you have these people after? These ladies are always after you. What are you gonna do? What can I? Like, okay, you have you have Frank Reynolds doing the Lou Costello bit. Come on, like, you know, where he's reading Dracula. And he was, Dracula's this guy who raises from the dead and can go ahead and hypnotize broads. I kind of like him. And then just, you see that move and you're there like, And Charlie! What the hell? God, Frank, what the hell's wrong with you? We gotta finish the job. Come on, Dennis is gonna be mad at us. I feel like Dennis would be in that role because Dennis would probably end up trying to work with Dracula because he's a creepy <laughs> asshole who, like, wasn't it the pilot where his plot was the he the wants Dennis method? Uh, is that the whole um, only have sex with him on a boat when they're too far away to run away? Exactly. Ah, uh, he's such a creeper. He would uh, probably yeah. just get some tips from Dracula about hypnotizing because he, he has no morals. <laughs> so we're, we're tied up in this castle here. <laughs> so yeah, the girls would be D and the waitress. So where the hell's Mac in all this? Is he the monster? Or the other doctor guy? The, oh, yeah, yeah. Or, I don't know if that guy was a, a doctor or just an assistant. Well, they called him Professor, I guess. Uh, yeah, the, still... the main doctor was Sandra. Yeah, it's still... <laughs> it's just... <laughs> so he just retitled this... <laughs> the gangs... Always Sunny in Transylvania? <laughs> oh, thank you! <laughs> <laughs> would it be more like Moon Lady in Transylvania? Because <laughs> you got fucking... Oh, man. man. Always Sunny in Transylvania. 
Oh, do that. Do that in the Halloween. <laughs> damn job <laughs> Still. so you got trapped in there they go you got to go to this masquerade party and all of a sudden i just started blasting and then you have frank reynolds come out naked in a couch <laughs> yeah maybe that would be like where he's gonna hide <laughs> Frank, why the fuck are you naked? It's hot as balls in there. <laughs> this would be a totally different movie. What <laughs> uh, the fuck, Jolly? Wait, and who would be Dracula? Oh, God. The Nightmare? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that'd be Mac. Uh, yeah, didn't he, didn't he play the Nightman? Yeah, he played the Nightman. Yeah. <laughs> so it's Mac dressed as the Nightman. Dressed as the Nightman. Oh, God. Is that a musical now? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, there you have that verse. Oh, no. Oh, even though the whole thing would be better, it would be funnier. Oh, God. I would like the Key and Peele one, and I, I would watch the Key and Peele one, but I'd also, I would love to watch this Always Sunny in Philadelphia one. Always Sunny in Transylvania, thank you. <laughs> uh, the, the Always Sunny in Transylvania with the <laughs> I don't think we're going to come up with the fantasy casting any better, though. Oh, no. <laughs> Exactly fantasy uh, casting, but when it, when the Wolfman shows up, I can't help but think of um, that show being human, the the original British version, which was way better. Oh my god! Yeah, I can't even remember his name, but he had big sticky outy ears. He was the yeah, werewolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I just yeah, remember yeah. that one time where he forced himself to transform by looking at a picture of a full moon. Because he had to save his baby or something. Yeah, remember. that was a good show. Yes. That was a really good show. Yes. Damn. Yeah, it's like a vampire, werewolf, and a ghost are flatmates. Yeah. Stuff. And, and, and some doesn't burn vampires in that universe. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. And then, then yeah. the whole cast got replaced, but it was still good anyways. I liked it. Yeah. I think there was a new vampire, yeah. werewolf, and ghost. Yeah, that was, that was on Netflix, wasn't it? I don't remember that. Yeah. That was a good... Oh, superb. Here's some monsters. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I always liked that. I like the idea of... I like the idea of monsters interacting among us, you know, or just kind of like, okay, you got all these things, but like, you know, like the a monster that's trying to do the right thing and then trying to go on a date or, you know, something like, you know, like being human, I think, or they're trying to like hide that or... How are they going to interact with with mortals, so to speak? I I, I love that fact. I think um, there was a card, there was a comic I I saw years ago. I don't even freaking remember it. Um, what it what it was, but I remember it was a vampire. I think it came around in the nineties when uh, Eddie Murphy did the movie Vampire in Brooklyn, and uh, there was a um, was it a school? Uh, no, 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 it wasn't, uh, it wasn't that, no, I know what you're talking about, but it was, a. Uh, 
a comic where it was like a brief short and there was the you know a vampire in in Brooklyn or in Manhattan or whatever trying to get a hot dog from a street vendor <laughs> and then just you know the, I think try like the thing was he was trying to enjoy the taste but because of his fangs he ate it too quick and I think that I think the story was is like you don't really know what the what the hot dogs are in reality, but he had a strange craving for him or something. That's, that's really all I can remember. But it's uh, if somebody does know what I'm talking about, you know, please uh, send it on our social media to us because I'd love to see that again because I thought that was so interesting. But just like monsters in the normal world just trying to function, I think to me is fascinating. Like the opposite of well, sort of fish out of water, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, so I think, um, yeah, I think that about does it for this. Yeah. So, uh, all right, so we'll see you next week, and um, be good, take care of yourself, but don't be too good.